0: Jesus looked up to heaven and prayed, Father, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them. And knowing truth, as I
1: came from you, and they have believed that you sent me.
0: Them in your name that you had given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy.
1: someone who has been involved in any number of staff selection panels, I'm filled with awe and wonder at the apparent speed and ease with which Matthias was picked to replace Judas as the 12th Apostle. Does anybody remember the days before human resource managers took over our working lives? Sadly, in my view, HR bureaucracy around staff selection and promotions has all too often led to wasted time and expense. Apologies to any HR people here. I noticed a change during the last few years of my police service. New HR rules came in that was meant to create equal opportunities for all. Every candidate had to produce evidence of achievements. That sounds really good, doesn't it? But in my view, it changed the culture of our organization to one of selfish ambition because the canny ones volunteered only for tasks that would tick the right boxes. The team spirit that I'd experienced for over 30 years gradually disappeared it was everyone for his or herself. But turning now to our Gospel reading, John records the impassioned prayers of Jesus for his closest disciples. This was shortly before his betrayal by Judas and his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sensing that his near death, Jesus is preparing his disciples to take over the task of building God's kingdom on earth. He's making it as clear as he can that he's leaving this world and going to be with his Father God. As Jesus prays for his disciples, we see a heart full of love for these special friends who God chose to be his constant companions for the past three years. He prays that they may be united, sanctified and protected. His prayer for unity is critical. Jesus knows that divisions and squabbles would tear them apart. There will be trouble ahead. The betrayal of Judas must have been a bitter blow But the speedy replacement with Matthias, a committed follower of Jesus, is essential if God's kingdom is to grow. They must remain united. Jesus prays too for their sanctification, a theological term for being made holy and set apart for the service of God. Of course, there are many examples of holy men and women who have been made saints by lives dedicated to fasting and prayer, and often solitude. But like Jesus, holiness for his disciples and loyal followers means that they will be in the thick of hostility and danger. Their challenge will be to change our messy world and not to escape from it. And so, Jesus prays for their protection from the evil one. But was this part of his prayer answered? I'm not so sure. The Acts of the Apostles gives a vivid account of the birth and growth of the church, starting in Jerusalem and then Samaria, as fierce persecution forced them to disperse further afield. We read of the stoning of Stephen, a follower of Jesus, and the first Christian martyr, then the miraculous conversion of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. He embarked on dangerous missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire. We read of Peter, Philip, James, and John, all united in sharing their vibrant faith despite hardships and real dangers. We know that James, the son of Zebedee, was executed some 11 years later, but tradition has it that only his brother John, the writer of today's Gospel, lived to an old age. Dying of natural causes. The remaining disciples almost certainly died a martyr's death. So, was Jesus' prayer for their protection from the evil one answered? Well, I believe that his prayer must have been for spiritual protection, that they remain steadfast in faith in order to begin the task of the church to fulfill Christ's great commission, to proclaim the good news to the whole of creation. But let's return to Matthias. We know that the criteria for selection of the 12th disciple was that it must be one who had followed Jesus throughout his ministry until he was taken up into heaven on the day of his ascension. There were only two in the frame, Joseph Joseph Barsabbas and Matthias. Peter took charge. He engaged a large crowd of around 120 believers in the speedy selection process. He led them all in prayer and then they cast lots. It fell in favour of Matthias. Today, the job would have to be advertised, applications sifted, references taken up, and interviews conducted. And then, of course, a DBS check, for good measure. (laughs) But of course, times were different then. And anyway, everyone knew Matthias. Although not a member of the inner circle, he was a committed follower of Jesus. And totally reliable. Significantly, since Jesus' death and his and life-changing resurrection, the disciples had spent days in prayer, often behind closed doors. And they led the hundred and twenty followers in prayer before holding the ballot. They trusted God's Holy Spirit, to guide them in their choice. We hear no more of Matthias in the Bible, but tradition has it that he travelled to Syria with Andrew to spread the good news of Jesus. He stayed the course, though suffered martyrdom by burning. So what can we learn from these two very different Readings from the Acts of the Apostles and the Gospel of John. Perhaps this is a good time to remind us of our St. Alban's mission statement, which is to share the transformational love of God in Jesus Christ with each other, our local community, and beyond. And significantly, as Sarah has shared with us, during these 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost, Christians around the world will be joining in the major prayer movement, Thy Kingdom Come. Our new diocesan vision in London is for every Londoner to encounter the love of God in Christ. So let's pray that as we emerge out of lockdown, we devote more time to put these words into action. Not least, let's pray with confidence for Kate's successor to be a leader in mission, and that our choice will be guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray too for Chris as he leads our mission among families, youth, and children. And that the Holy Spirit may show us how we can play our part in that mission through prayer, practical support, and not least, encouragement. And may each of us have a fresh encounter of the love of God in Christ. Amen. Oh, yeah.